Hello, and welcome to My Neurodivergent Diary with me, Kitty Cowell. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing both neurotypical and neurodivergent people about all kinds of subjects, from dating to fashion to music and more, to see how we relate or don't relate in our experiences and thinking. So on today's show, I have my friend TT, TT Finlay. Do I say Finley? Finlay. Finley. Finley, yeah. yeah. But people say Finlay sometimes. It just sounds sounds like, yeah. Sounds fancier. (laughs) I'm so like, I obviously I've known you for ages, but do you know when it's just like, when would you have that conversation? Yeah, literally. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know my real name, which is Christina. And everyone's like, who's I did not know that. (laughs) Like basically all of my friends are like, who's Christina? Like they just, it's just never been said. That is so funny. (laughs) I mean, me too, kind of, because I'm actually called Laura Kitty. Oh. <laughs> your face, and that's like, your middle name. It's a double barrel right. name. Okay. So it's like Anne Marie, yeah. or you know, yeah. something like that. Love but that. my parents actually wanted it to be Kitty as my first name, but they liked Laura, and they didn't think Kitty Laura sounded as good as Laura Kitty. Yeah, which I guess kind of makes sense. Yeah, but they just straight up like changed it. You know, like just yeah. called me Kitty exactly, from day yeah. one. You're like Classic. brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> so, first of all, do you know? Like, are you neurotypical or neurodivergent? So do you know? I don't know. I mean, I haven't ever been tested or done anything like that, but I think I'm for the most part neurotypical, but there's obviously, as we know, it's like a bit of a spectrum. And I think there's so many elements that sometimes I experience. Mm. Um, I, for example, I mean, I know anxiety is not considered that, but I live with like crippling anxiety, which affects a lot of the way I act as a person, Mm -hmm. which is not typical I would say yeah yeah like um, in a different way it's not yeah typical. exactly yeah. so um yeah and I think there's like a lot of elements like that that kind of like feed into my personality I'm quite an introverted person and in certain scenarios uh, especially with like lots of people I just sort of shrink into myself and I feel like I really struggle with being around people like that mm. um rather than being like one-on-one with someone and yeah so there's lots of little elements but yeah yeah and just to tell everybody who you are properly, because I just went straight in for yeah. the neurotypical <laughs> neurodivergent question, didn't I? So, TT, you are an artist and content creator. You've worked with people like Nike and Foot Patrol, and you are a sneakerhead. So, like, you tend to work within the sneaker streetwear world, right? Yeah. You work, like, you, we know each other because you used to, I can't speak, you used to <laughs> work at ASOS. Yes. And there you were more in like the content world. Yes, exactly. And then you went on to do social media content again for like a sneaker store. Yes. Yeah. 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 And now you're a freelancer. Yeah. And an artist. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I suppose like um, because what you were just saying about being, you know, probably neurotypical, but also experiencing things that are maybe not typical. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really interesting subject because that probably and you can tell me, but that probably pushed you more in the direction of wanting to work for yourself right and that as a neurodivergent person is also what pushed me to want to do the same thing I think the thing is there are a lot of people now with it being talked about a lot more sort of people becoming well diagnosed with ADD ADHD you know that kind of that seems to be very like talked about at the moment specifically I am dyslexic and I've known that since I was six so for like most of my life yeah but I think I'm probably and I'm got to go through that process again now ADD or ADHD yeah and it's interesting to know that, like, looking back as an adult on, like, my schooling and, like, the careers that I've, you know, chosen to do and now working for myself. With you, yes, 
you do think you're more neurotypical, but like you say, there are other things that affect you that have probably, you know, affected the projection of your life, let's say. For sure. So being more of an anxious person, which also I um, can relate (laughs) to deeply, um, you think that probably made you want to step out of working with like an environment full of people, basically. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I always struggled being like a, not, not a team player. Like I've always been good at being by myself as a team, but like being part of a team where there's more responsibility to like step up and be the person that's like leading the way and like bringing the ideas like I've always struggled with the confidence to do that and just being like in an office environment it was really fun for a while but I always found myself I would go away to like quiet rooms to work and I felt like it wasn't because I was being antisocial it's just because I couldn't focus and I couldn't join in with the same conversations or like get my head around being able to like gossip for two seconds and then get back to my work and I just prefer I've always preferred to work alone I think it's just a maybe because I'm an artist I've always like painted by myself and that's just always been the way that I've been um and I really struggled in in full-time work just with like people's personalities Mm -hmm. um and I was always like sort of a golden girl at work I think like I was sort Mm -hmm. of like the quiet one that just did went above and beyond always did like what they needed to do um but I ended up getting like really bad burnout and I really just struggled with like I said yeah with other people's personalities and not knowing how to I have very thin skin I would say so I'm a very sensitive anxious person I wouldn't sleep very well because I was always worried um and I found that going freelance has completely like eradicated all of that yeah because I work with people one-on-one for the most part with um, smaller teams of people and I know that they've hired me as the expert to come in now so I feel like the imposter syndrome or like what they might think of me or they might think I'm doing a bad job that doesn't happen anymore which is really nice and I also love just being I like get to work from home and I get to work on my own terms at the times that suit me without being bothered by people and um, having to like feel like you have to be part of the culture of your work so Um, all the stuff that I didn't enjoy, it's just gone away and it's really nice. It's, so nice. It really works for me. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, there are there are a lot of people that are coming forward saying like they thought from seeing TikToks mostly that they might be autistic or ADHD, right? Yes. And then they just get diagnosed with like crippling anxiety. Yes. <laughs> and that is fascinating to yeah. me. I have all the things. Yeah. <laughs> I have PTSD, I have anxiety, I, I'm dyslexic, mm-hmm. I'm neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and potentially other things, right? Yeah. And so it's really, really interesting as well, I suppose, like, because I think it tends to be people that I am surrounded by, people that, are, whether they're my best friends or, you know, people that I've kind of like gravitated towards, I guess, in like industries, like, you know, we know each other through work mostly, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Or like originally. Yeah are similar in that respect because mm-hmm. there are so many people in the sneaker world right and you know the, like you know of me and my friend juice as being like some of the first girls which is ridiculous but like kind of known in that in that world with that it was so terrifying being surrounded by so many men and yeah. I don't know if they're neurotypical or neurodivergent, but they were so confident, so like strong-willed, so like knowledgeable about those, you know, about those subjects, sneakers and streetwear. And I ended up, you know, knowing a lot of people in that world. Mm-hmm. I know tons of people, but being closer friends with people that are more like me. Yeah. So let's say it's not the wish shy and timid, like 
inherently like I feel like we like we're talking we yeah. we can like have a lot to say right we're For not sure. like completely timid people but when you are put into a space that is busy loud male yeah. dominated I don't, like whether it is that you are an anxious person or a neurodivergent person you know or all of those things like we gravitate towards each other yeah so there's some kind of what's the right way to put it like there's there's something that we're obviously seeing in each other mm-hmm. and i i've like i've always thought especially over the past few years where people talk about neurodivergent people more or we're just my friends all neurodivergent so like it's interesting to know that like you're probably more neurotypical but there are those other things that we you know relate on that sure. like we yeah. just like to hide away yeah. <laughs> it's so true yeah like that is me i because i also worked i worked in fashion pr so i worked in an office and i remember specifically when i was younger i said the same thing to my mum. but i remember then which was like seven years ago now which is mad saying to my mum, my boss is telling me that i'm being disruptive and like, and it's because you're forcing yeah. me to sit at a screen yeah. constantly and you're telling me to just like do that and focus on words and emails or ring people. Mm-hmm. And then like no one wants to pick up the phone in PR anyway. So you're just annoying people by doing that. So you're just emailing all day. And I'm like turning around to my neighbor every half an hour and having a conversation about what we're doing. Because yeah. like, well, I think that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But apparently I was being distracting and I was like, mom, are you sure that I'm not ADHD? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I could be ADD, ADHD. Like I've been told before I've been distracting, yeah. like in school. But she's like, but you're not hyperactive, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't think you are. And it's like, that is such a misconception. For sure. Yeah. Especially in women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's why I just didn't. There were other things like I had like I have endometriosis, right? So it's like all these things like anxiety, depression, um, being neurodivergent, dyslexic, having to focus on like text constantly on a screen. Yeah. Even though it's a creative world, it's like I wasn't being that creative really. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like that leads to being more physically ill because you you get burnout. Yeah. It's like a mental thing that leads to a physical thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And, and self-confidence at the end of all of that as well. Exactly. Which shouldn't happen, but... Yeah, it's yeah. true. It like grinds us down and then yeah. we become like so less confident in ourselves. Yeah. And also just like the willpower, I For think. For sure, yeah. You know, like I've been... Because these industries that, you know like marketing and PR and content creation, social media, they're all, they're all in the same bracket. Like I literally was the PR, the social media girl, the marketing girl, the gifting girl, you know, yeah. like now there's more job roles yeah. for that. But I, I ticked every box yeah. and got paid very little. Um, but you burn out because you, you're having to do all these things that also are like, you're dealing with so many people, even if you are supposed to be focused on your screen all the time, there's still like 12 people in an office or 20 people in an office or whatever that you yeah. have to deal with. Yeah. And yeah, that burnout leads to like, physical and mental yeah yeah experiences that make us want to leave and work on our own terms basically (laughs) and that's why we're freelance exactly (laughs) how do you think then um so being a freelancer and working in a male-dominated industry it's so good to hear you say that like you feel like you're now the you know when people are coming to you it's because you're the expert in that field right that must be so empowering yeah. How, how is that? Like, how is that? Because I know you've talked about like having imposter syndrome before mm-hmm. and also just being like, shit, how was it a year ago I was doing something and now I'm doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's a really nice feeling now because, like I said, people respect me and they've hired me for a reason. And what happened in my last job was actually uh, my self-confidence and sort of a bit like belief in what I was capable of was very much sort of like 
stamped on by the men that I worked with. Um, I worked with a couple of younger men who I was their manager and they just undermined me, disrespected me, went over my head. And um, my older male boss, who was... (laughs) also a bit of a dick and um, the 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 three of them together sort of caused this feeling in me that I just felt like I wasn't capable um, of doing what I do now um, it was just through little things like little sort of uh, slights and tones and um, like digs yeah it wasn't and it wasn't even like verbal stuff sometimes it's like they would say things that were felt like we're good and empowering to women or whatever, but then, like, they would create this culture behind the scenes of stuff that completely defied that and went against that. Um, So, like, how they talked about women. Yeah, how they talked about women and then just um, sort of... Trying to, I'm trying to think of examples. Like I don't want to go into it because it was a very traumatic yeah, yeah. Um, experience. Oh, mate, how is it that but, we both had traumatic oh my experiences with men in the secret industry? Yeah, and it's like I think people don't realise how much like gaslighting and abuse of power kind of stuff goes oh, on massively. when you work in the industry. Yeah. Um, and what happened to me was exactly that, but it ended up being super freeing in the end because I was like great this has led me to where I am now which is amazing but yeah. it's such a 180 to where I am now as to where I was a year ago because I'm doing like when I started what I'm doing now that I'm getting paid great money to do by great brands I was unsure that I could even do a year ago which is crazy because they were hiring me for experience but it's like I knew I already had that experience I just didn't have the confidence because the people that I worked with constantly questioned it or undermined it um men don't want you to be successful no they don't i mean some men are there are the odd ma- men yeah, who are true. fantastic i should say some because but the thing is majority the, yeah. yeah and the right men know that when we say that we don't mean all men yeah it's like saying that you know racist people suck it doesn't mean that we're yeah. saying all people suck yeah literally like, it's just the fact that there are incredibly inherently sexist men and unfortunately to be honest with you right down to even women can be incredibly yeah. sexist you yeah. know we are the patriarchy has completely ruined all of us yeah it's so deep within everybody yeah. Yeah. and when men get sort of like i had a taxi driver the other night and i was talking about just basically how it's scary and i've had really bad experiences with taxi drivers before and mm. like quite abusive one once i had to get out of the car and like wow. you know and that, that's not even yeah. bad you know which yeah. is shit to yeah. say um and he was like, yeah, true. Like sometimes I get like, say a boyfriend and a girlfriend and the boy is putting his girlfriend in a taxi and saying, oh, please make sure she gets home safe. Mm. And he was like, yeah, well, what do you expect I'm going to do? And I was like, that's not the right math- like attitude to have though because they don't know you. And unfortunately, yeah. I'm glad that man thinks like that, you know, the boyfriend, mm. because we as women have to not trust everybody. Yeah. Right down to like, you know, you can be so trustworthy of anyone, your partner, your brother, your dad, but... Deep within us, I feel like we've always got a fear that we don't know, you yeah. know, that there could be something yeah. that we don't know about. And I don't mean cheating yeah. or stuff like that. I just mean, like, behaviours and thoughts. Yes, exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's a very tough place out there <laughs> for women. It is. And it is. that's us speaking as, like, privileged white women. Yeah, So 1, that's, like, the tip of the iceberg. So exactly. It's, yeah, pretty yeah. crazy. <laughs> it, it fucking is, man. Yeah, like, it yeah. really is. And... You know what? It's it's shit that I have to feel like, you know, we we can bond over how these awful men <laughs> in the sneaker world have yeah. treated us like crap and gaslit us and yeah. stuff. But I have had the same experience, and you know, and and I'm older than you, and like I yeah. did it like before you, 
And the reason I did it was because there were men like that. And I yeah. was taking a stand to say, do you know what? I'm a woman. I do know about this stuff. I'm knowledgeable, probably yeah. maybe more than many of you. Yeah. And I want to prove that and show that. And I got to a level of success that some men in that industry found uncomfortable for them. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted to stop me from doing that. And it was pre-Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. And it got low-key, like, abusive. Yeah. Like, scary. Wow. And yeah. it's horrible that... Uh, luckily, I'm a strong, like, thick-skinned person, yeah. and it was not nice, but um, I kind of, like, moved a little bit out of sneakers and streetwear. Like, I never left it, but I was just, like, I'm a, I'm a fashion stylist, yeah. and I'm going to focus on, like, you know, other parts of the fashion world yeah. and kind of slowly move back into sneakers and streetwear, but it's, it's really crap that, like... Because re really that benefited me, just like you. You're like, because I was like, cool, well, I'm yeah. going to go yeah. higher. I'm, I'm going to go thrive. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, sad the way you had to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it sucks. Yeah. But it is always the way that I think, sure, there are some people that unfortunately that doesn't work with, you know, yeah. as in like they don't come out better from yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. But more often than not, women, we're like, you know, strong-willed, I think, yeah. more than anything. Whether we're strong, like, thick-skinned or not, we're strong-willed. 100%. And, you know, if we've got somewhere, there's a reason we've got there in the first place for certain sure, men yeah. to be angry at us yes. for being there. So yeah. it, it usually works out that we do better for it, which, Definitely. you know, yeah. is so ridiculous yeah. of them. Because yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, bro, I'm just going to go and thrive here Yeah, now. yeah. So, um, coming back to when you were younger, because mm -hmm. you're an artist, you're a painter, and I think, like, obviously, when I first knew you, you were, like, in a content role, right? Yeah. I knew you were a sneakerhead, like, a sneaker fan, however you want to put it, but I didn't know much about your art to begin with, and mm -hmm. then, like, knowing you, following you on social media, seeing all of that kind of happen more, right, and you post about it more. Yeah. Um, at school, was that, like, your favourite subject? Yes. Yeah. That was all I was good at. I right. didn't do sports. I wasn't very smart. I mean, I, I was good at, like, English and stuff, but I didn't really know how to apply myself in any subject other than art. That mm -hmm. was, like, where I excelled, and I was always, like, the best in my class at painting and drawing because I can draw quite realistically. So yeah. that was always something that I just remember was, like, my thing growing up, art and music. I mm -hmm. played, like, three instruments and then did my art, and those were my things. So, Amazing. Um, but, yeah, so that was kind of that. And then I went to uni to do um, fine art, at, and I got a degree in fine art. Amazing. So yeah. Where did you go to uni? Uh, Dundee in the east coast of Scotland. Wow. Yeah, so <laughs> it was where my mum's from, so I went back there for uni, and it was it was a really nice place to be at, at uni, actually, and, yeah, it was good. A lot but, of, like, greenery around you. Kind of. It was on the river, so it was more like an industrial... It's kind of an industrial town, but... Um, it's it's on the coast um, and it's close to everything in Scotland is close to greenery, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike totally. London where you have to go like two hours to see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I've out of like I've been to quite a lot of Scotland, but I don't think I've ever been to Zandee. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, don't yeah, know they've what got it's a like. V&A museum there have and they're they? like the city of design or something. So oh, wow. it's like an underrated place, okay. for, especially for creatives. But Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I love those underrated places. Yeah. I um. I, I got into a very good union at the time for the course was one of the best man met for fashion design. Wow. And I left and I went to Newport in South Wales, which is a shithole. <laughs> I love you, Newport, but they all agree. 
Um, love to hate it. I love South Wales. Yeah. And I just, I had one of my best friends was doing, like from school, mm-hmm. uh, was doing art in Cardiff. And I had a boyfriend that was from like the outskirts of Cardiff at the mm-hmm. time. So I'd visited it a lot and I loved it. And I love Manchester, but there was just something that felt, it was just lacking in creation, the mm. course that I was doing. I was in these really like new modern halls that mm. had no character. Yeah. The people I was living with were like not friendly. And I, the only things I was good at at school were music and art, right? Yeah. Like, well, mostly. They were, like, my best subjects. And I wanted to do fashion just because I always... I don't know. I was like, do I go do art or do I do fashion? I felt like it was different. Like, yeah. I've been doing art as, like, my main thing my whole life, basically. Yeah. And um, then I wanted to be creative with it. Like, I had gotten in because I had... Um, basically made a bunch of like handmade stuff at home right Mm -hmm. and then they put me in this class that was like here's a white piece of paper and you're going to design a dress and then you're going to make it for Topshop and then you're going to work for Topshop and I was like this isn't me like yeah yeah so I went it was called Carleon where I went to uni which is the outskirts of a place called Newport and it was beautiful like it was hills and like greenery and it was so creative because like it's not a wealthy area and I, fi- I feel like and I found that that is where the most creativity is, you mm. know, like I love the city, don't get me wrong, I'm very much a city girl and I love London and I love Cardiff for that reason. So like, as soon as I could move to Cardiff, I did yeah, when I was yeah. at uni. But I don't know, it feels like the more as shit as it is, you know, like less not even deprived but like when there's physically less going on around you because i grew up very lucky like in the cotswolds which is a very privileged area beautiful but i was so bored you know like as a kid i loved it yeah but from a creative perspective it made me really creative because i was like well i'm bored so i'm gonna spray paint this thing or like sew this thing yeah and i think that those places actually like I think I'm glad, even though it was not recognized for fashion design particularly. Mm-hmm. I did so much more when I was there. Yeah. You yeah. Know, creatively speaking. Yeah. It goes to show the power of the environment that you're in. Massively. And yeah, what what people sort of gravitate towards and thrive within. Yeah. yeah. I feel like as well, Scotland, this is a very big generalization because it's a big place. And Wales, again, generalization because it is a big place. But there's so many artists mm. and musicians specifically yeah. coming from both of those places. Yeah. So many bands from Scotland. Yeah, for sure. So many bands from Wales. Yeah. And of course, London is like where we can have our careers, right? It's where we can thrive. But I feel like as young creatives, actually, there's more interesting things going on in those like out of big city area or like... Yeah. Out, they're still like Cardiff, still a big city. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But they're just not London. Yeah, exactly. I think anywhere in the UK that's not London, but I think the a lot of these cities, like the smaller cities, have such incredible subcultures and like yeah. moments going on. Um, and also because you're kind of like a small, a big fish in a smaller pond, if that's the right word to say, like when you've got a little thing going on, you can really like rally people around you and create something really exciting in smaller cities. Whereas in London, it's much harder to do. It's so much busier here. Yeah. People, it's hard to live in London. It's expensive. And I say that knowing that I was a broke artist and musician when I lived in in Wales, right? Like I didn't. I was kind of like had like a clothing line, like a MySpace thing back in the day. Yeah, cool. And I was like a broke musician as well. Yeah. Um, doing all the creative things and like I had a full-time job, but I was never, I never had money. Yeah. Like, even yeah. though it's cheaper to be there, I was still always broke. But then I always wanted to be in London because I knew that I could make more of myself here. Yeah. And I am only now in my 30s making money that feels like I can actually like yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... I still love it here. So yeah. it's weird, isn't it? Because like, 
it took me a lot to leave Wales. Yeah. Like I really, really had found myself there yeah. when I was there. And yeah. from a creative perspective, like you say, I think because it is a lot cheaper, say like putting on a gig, right? Mm-hmm. Like it costs so much money, but in a cheap city, it costs so much less. Yeah, it's yeah. People start their careers in these places that like have less going on in them because you want to create some kind of environment that's fun like yeah, for people to be involved for in. For sure, yeah. And everyone wants to help each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you're an up-and-coming graphic designer. Can you, like, do this poster for me and, like, you know, yeah. I'll pay you 20 quid or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you're happy to get that 20 quid. Exactly. In London, there's a million graphic designers, yeah. a million music yeah. promoters. You know, like, everyone's trying to fight for the same thing. And yeah. The opportunities are here. Yeah. The brands are here. Yeah, yeah. The money is here, but it's it is also hard, isn't it? Like, mm. why do we put ourselves yeah. through this? But both yeah. you and me have moved further out, right? Like, yeah. you don't live central, do yeah. you? Yeah, I live in Putney, so I'm sort of southwest. Yeah, um, like thirty minutes from Oxford Circus, yeah, it's but not, not bad. It's um, not like far. It but it's... feels it doesn't feel like London. It feels like a nice sort of. I don't know. Putney's quite like posh and safe, and there's not much going on there. But yeah. I like it because there's nice parks I can walk my dog at and exactly. just have a little bit of air um yeah. i don't think i could ever live in like east london or somewhere yeah. that's super busy so yeah. i can't i've done it i've done it all i've lived everywhere i've literally lived on brick lane which yeah. i did wow. my life yeah <laughs> terrible juice if you're listening to yeah. this it was when you were throwing rocks at my window at 3am that i realized that i shouldn't no, sounds like juice <laughs> no, i i loved it do you know what i mean like at the time it's actually like great that my friends could do that yeah um but then it just became ridiculous yeah. like, i couldn't sleep it was so noisy yeah it's horrible. for a tight it's for a certain time in your life when yeah. you can hack it and then and we then grow up and yeah <laughs> we're like i need peace exactly <laughs> i live on the outskirts of north london nice. and i love it and yeah. it's so much greener and it's still london and again i can get to piccadilly in like 30 minutes yeah exactly so it's fucking great to be honest but yeah but i feel i feel like creatives if you're working from home more often than not you're gonna enjoy that kind of environment more yeah exactly you want to you want to live somewhere that you can have a really nice like balanced life and yeah exactly rather than being in a smaller stress more stressful busy place exactly so, yeah. you you don't have like you were saying earlier that culture of like you know being in an office surrounded by all these people yeah but i think when you're doing that i lived in brick lane and i, w- I worked five minutes away right yeah. my office is five minutes away and that was fine because I'm just coming home to my flat. But when you work from your flat, you want an environment that like is quiet, is chill because mm-hmm. you are there all the time. Exactly. And you do need to focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how different it is going like, I don't know, it's really like just a 20 minute difference or 15 minute difference from like where I previously lived, like in Holloway, right? Yeah. Which was much busier. And although the road I lived in was relatively quiet, there's still sirens. It's, yeah, it's yeah, central exactly. London. Like, yeah. It's such a difference. Before we wrap this up, I just want to ask you a bit more about work. And yeah. you have worked with, right, tell me, because I know you've worked with Nike, obviously. Like, yeah. I've been there. I've come to the events. Uh, Foot Patrol recently. Yeah. What are some of the other brands that you've worked with, like, as a freelancer that has just been, like, incredible? Uh, and loads of different ones. Um, I think Nike and Foot Patrol have been my favorite projects. Yeah. Um, I've worked with Adidas recently as, like, talent rather than um, as, like, a creative, which was really fun. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is like how the other half live. Usually, I'm the person behind the scenes on the set that's like getting the talent ready. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think who else. I feel like I've worked with so many that like they all just like blend. Yeah, and, um, it's true. It is like that, and that's not yeah. in like a negative way. It's yeah. just more like it's you're you're constantly on the go. And yeah, it's, you have to focus so much. I think on Definitely. each job. But yeah. when you're on the next one, it's like you yeah, can't think about what you just last did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I Nike mean, must be. Yeah, true, right? I think Nike was the, has been the best partnership that I've had because there's not really many rules and they just let me do my own thing and they they approached me, which is the nicest thing as a creative when you're approached to bring your true authentic style and, and self to the project rather than them asking you to do something specific. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I've worked with them so many times now on like loads of lovely things that I feel really passionate about and was able to just kind of go free. Like they were like... There's no brief. Just do Sick. do your thing. Um, and that's been lovely. So, yeah, every single aspect of that has been great. That's so I cool. Think, yeah. And then I think the Foot Patrol one has been, like, a big moment for me because um, obviously I've done stuff with them in the past, but this is the first time I've, like, art-directed and done, like, a whole campaign for them. Um, and it was just really nice... It was a very full circle moment for because it was for International Women's Day. It's obviously something I'm so passionate about. Um, but the whole project from start to finish was just the most incredible experience. And my last year's International Women's Day was completely like tainted by the male colleagues I had who were, right. they kind of like tore the soul out of it. And the whole experience was horrible. And so from going from that to, to this one this year for a brand that I like have so much respect for was just like such a dream come true it's also so nice like as someone else that's been in this industry like the sneaker world for so long and as a woman honestly when we started and it's true so I'm sure they won't mind me saying but it was because there was friends of ours right mm -hmm. like me and Juice we we used to have this blog for people that don't know what I'm talking about called the unisex mode and the reason I started it was because we had these friends that had another blog and they were guys and they were mm -hmm. about sneakers and streetwear all day and they would like go for dinner with us but like, okay we're going to this foot patrol event and we were like we want to come to the foot patrol yeah. event like <laughs> we care about this stuff too so I started a blog and then it quickly became like me and juice because we were like well there's no women talking about this and we don't want it to be like women you know like yeah you know, from a woman's perspective like just sexing, yeah yeah like sexualizing ourselves almost we were like no we're women but we think in the same way as you we like the same way yeah. things as you so we want to make this unisex yeah and it was foot patrol i promise you that made us do that but not like there were other reasons that were like i was angry about i wasn't angry about foot patrol but it's more that it was just so focused on men we had this like yeah. iconic small sneaker store that has yeah. so much history yeah. so much heritage and like we know about that yeah you know what i mean and, yeah and we were like we want to come to this book signing or you know we care about this sneaker release but like it was never in our size yeah and that's changed so much 100 which is amazing yeah and to be fair to them like like jimmy from foot patrol is like i always he's from, he's from cardiff right so yeah like, yeah i know him i've like known of him for years and when i moved here he's kind of like an icon in 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 mm. like the og sneaker world right yeah and I would always go in and be like, do you have a 5.5? I'm lucky I can wear a 5.5 yeah. sometimes, right? And there would always be like one and he'd kind of like keep it aside sometimes for nice. like the right people or whatever, yeah. you know. And so I always respected that. But obviously Juice is like a 4, 4.5. Yeah. And it's taken so long. So to see like you have a whole campaign and mm -hmm. I know I know that they weren't ever like segregating us. Like their perspective was that like they didn't have the market for it. Yeah. And it, it was always there. Yeah. There were always yeah. my female friends queuing up for the releases, you know, for like the yeah. ASICS Foot Patrol releases, all those kind of things. But it was just like, well, yeah. if you don't have the shoe for us, you're not going to see us. Yeah, because, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
so it's to been see that great progress for sure because even I remember when I first moved to London I just found Foot Patrol a really intimidating store to yeah. go into in general because it was always just like cool guys yeah like sneakerhead dudes that just like would be like looking at you and they'd be like why are you in here um and to go from that to like how they are now and yeah. seeing like women working in the store yeah um the men that I've worked with there specifically Bradley is yeah. the biggest ally like so there's cool it's just really lovely to see like that completely changed yeah, now um that's so nice. and that's just the beginning as well so yeah, yeah. That is good. Like, I've met him a few times at, like, events and stuff. I don't know him super well, but yeah. we know of each other. Yeah. And everything I hear about him is is usually yeah. from women and, like, yeah. telling me good things about him. It's because he's such a rare find, I think, <laughs> like, in the sneaker world. He's not He's not all talk. Like, he's genuinely, like, is a great example of an ally to women and sneakers, and it's a very rare thing to, to find. It's so sick because I know that there will be men that might, well, whether they bother listening to this or not, mm. but, like, that know us that will be like, oh, I'm great. Listen, yeah. there are lots of nice men in the sneaker world, yeah. but I'm going to, you know, and I would say this to their faces, I'm going to call you out. Like, yeah. you don't have our backs. There are men that I went to when I was, like, literally getting bullied by, like, yeah. a man in the scene. And it was because it was pre-Me Too, you know, just, like, a few years ago, really, when you think about it all. But pre that movement, it was, like, hard for people to, like, take me seriously it was just like yeah. what do you have like history with him like did you have yeah you dated yeah him? no I haven't dated him I don't have history with him he yeah. doesn't like that I'm successful you know what I mean yeah they always had to which is really sexist in my opinion you know go oh but is there another reason yeah you know that you're not it's always questions always questions whereas if you're a man and you're like I'm a sneakerhead I like sneakers people are like yeah cool yeah but as a woman you get questioned or undermined or you're like well, yeah. what do you know anything about them oh and yeah like, does your boyfriend tell us some sneakers? knowledge yeah you know, is that why you're wearing it yeah it's interesting talking about me too though because I think that was such a powerful moment in obviously culture in general but it's so funny now to see that has kind of died down and the men have gone yeah. back to like not supporting <laughs> Like this year, International Women's Day was like screaming into a void and it was literally just like women who were talking about it. It's like, we know that women support us. We we all support each other. Like, we don't need to share that anymore. Yeah. Like that's a given, but we need men to actually be like, okay, it's time for us to step up. But because like they're off the hook almost, it's like, let's stop. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I have male friends that I know have the best of intentions and I have male friends that do talk about like women's, rights yeah yeah you know wrap it up like that and when I went they might say something to me like oh you know this is happening on Wednesday and like you're gonna come to this and I'll explain that actually that's really late at night and I've got to come back on my own and I've got three things that Mm -hmm. day and if I didn't maybe I'd just get like a taxi but I'll be exhausted and I'll be traveling late at night on my own and I know you don't have to think about that but like I'm not I'm not trying to say I don't want to see you and hang out but like unfortunately this is something I have to think about yeah and they'll respond with but I post about this stuff all the time like I know that like I get it and I'm like yeah this wasn't an attack like this is me explaining my life that you don't have to think about yeah and like I say they're the best you know meaning people I know that they're saying that because they're like I do understand but Mm -hmm. it's like everything always is taken that way and it's like it's hard because we can only compare you know like these things you know being a woman and having sexism right like Mm -hmm. it's not comparable to other issues that people have but that's the only way you can look at it to like understand 
how other people feel with other issues they have, whether they're disabled or, you know, our privileges being white women, for example, all these things like you have to step outside of yourself. So someone accused me or not accused me, but like talked about, for example, it's really hard for me actually to get there because I'm in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go, oh, yeah, I understand. I go, fuck, of course. Yeah. Like that shit. I don't have to think about that. Yeah, exactly. Like that isn't my reality. And like fuck, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah, you know? yeah. More often than not, though, I'm not met with that by men. Yeah, And exactly. I know it's not all men. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just that literally. I know it's not all but. men. And I know that often it's just the way they've been taught. Yeah, do you get what I yeah mean? exactly. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. So we could go on about this for hours. Literally. <laughs> but yes, it's, yeah. Literally, it's a very hard subject. And I mm-hmm. think the topics that I've just discussed are also hard to talk about in terms of like, I do think racism's worse than sexism. And mm-hmm. obviously, if you're a black woman, you're getting it way worse than us. Yeah. You know, these yeah. things are complex, but we can only talk about our experiences and try to advocate for others. Yeah, so. exactly. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for being on my podcast. Of course. I have appreciated Thanks for the great chat. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. And um, thank you. And if you want to find out more about TT, I will put all her links on social media and go and follow her and check out her art. Yeah. Peace out. Thank you. <laughs>